Well, in these past three weeks, we have been in a series about Sabbath rest that we have uh, called uh, Remembering Your Life, Remembering Our Lives. And the reality is, is that uh, our lives and the way that we live often leaves us feeling somewhat fragmented, uh, somewhat broken at times, oftentimes weary, uh, and how we need to, at, at times, and we need to have these disconnected parts come together and to be made whole again, to be remembered again. Our lives are uh, lived on the horizontal. We live our lives on a horizontal plane in terms of relating to other people, relationships, and so on, uh, involved in all the activities that we are involved with. And uh, it can also often lead to this weariness and to this fragmentation. But the interesting thing is, is that we are, we are created and made to live in the vertical, in relationship with God, the one who created us, and live in such a way in the vertical with God, in awareness of him, in obedience to him, uh, that brings wholeness into our lives. And a weekly rhythm of Sabbath can help us with that. A time that is intentionally spent with God, a time that is uh, with God that is active and current and relevant to our horizontal lives and to the everydayness of our lives, that is the work of Sabbath. In the first week, a number of weeks ago, we looked at the Old Testament texts uh, that established the Sabbath, even right there in the Genesis account, right in the creation account, how God himself rested on the seventh day. We also looked at Exodus 20 as we, we looked at the law of Moses and these ten commandments that God gave these people of Israel and how the fourth commandment was a unique one and, and it started out with this word remember and it said remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We talked around some of the significance of that. We also looked at John chapter 5 in that first week uh, and what Jesus typically did on the Sabbath, which is he brought healing and restoration. And so he often healed people and because of that often got into trouble uh, as well. But he was into healing and restoration. And we looked at the one question that Jesus asked the man who was lame for 38 years who laid by this pool waiting to become well again and how Jesus asked this man, do you want to get well? And I think a very relevant question for us in this series on Sabbath rest that we might ask ourselves that question of, do we want to get well? And also, what are the areas of our lives that need to get well? And sometimes they're obvious and very apparent, and oftentimes they are not quite as obvious and below the surface and things that we need to dig into and reflect on more and allow God to do a very unique work. And so this is the invitation of Sabbath? What are the emotional and physical and spiritual places that we need Jesus to touch us and to heal us and to transform us so that we can get well? And to do so with intentionality and regularity of coming before this Jesus in order to allow him to do that. To do so with attentiveness. To be an intentional, to be intentional and attentive as we find a way in our Sabbath rhythm. In the second week, we looked at these three words of rest, restoration, and reverence as important aspects of what Sabbath is, that we actually have times of rest, that there is restoration of relationships, and that there is time of reverence, of worshiping God in awe because of who he is. And we looked at the idea that if busyness doesn't kind of draw the life out of our Sabbath, then legalism will. And we saw that in the Old Testament text. We saw that even in the New Testament text where 
Jesus is challenged by those who approach Sabbath in such a legalistic way that, that they would just kind of suck all the life out of what it was intended for. And how we need to move from legalism to liturgy. From legalism about the, the, the do's, just the do's and don'ts to a, a liturgy that is alive and active and vibrant that allows us to wor- worship God. That we would find rich practices and disciplines or gestures, again, that place us in a weekly way before the living Christ to heal us. Also in that week, we looked at this text in Isaiah 58, a very unique text that actually talks a lot about how we are to live on the horizontal level, how we are to live with those around us, and especially those who are marginalized and poor and to take care of those people. But how also at the last part of that chapter, there is this unique section on Sabbath that draws us again to this vertical relationship and says that this is so critically important that we live in relationship with God because it's the only way that we can actually live on the horizontal. And one of the ways that we do that, that we saw in that text, is this idea of going in another direction, of of going in a different way, that it's not just about us, but that it's also about others and that we go in a different direction in terms of how we experience true Sabbath rest. Last week, Michael talked about that rich text in Hebrews chapter 4 and some of the eternal aspects of Sabbath, that we'll never fully experience it until Christ returns, but how we have daily choices, that every day is a today, and every day is an opportunity to choose to step in obedience to Jesus Christ or to forget and to be disobedient and to walk in a very different direction, and in doing so, we harden our hearts. And we looked at how this rest is something that we experience only in part right now, but it's really found in its fullness as a promised destination in the future. And so today, I want us to look at a text in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'd encourage you to turn there in your Bibles. Uh, Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Old Testament. It's at the end of what we know as uh, the Torah, or these first five books that that Moses wrote. And uh, we look at the people of Israel as they are about to enter into the promised land. They have been decades in the wilderness. Decades experiencing sort of this lostness or God preparing them, disciplining them to prepare them for the promised land. And Moses has been leading them. And we see in this text that they are called again to remember. They are called to obey the laws of God. And we see in this text as well how easy the people of Israel forget. And how easy we too also forget. And this text, even though it's not specifically about Sabbath, it gets at so many of the central pieces of what Sabbath rest has in, was intended for. And we see Moses in this text not so much as a lawgiver who comes as a lawgiver before the people, but more as a pastor, as a shepherd. And Deuteronomy, in many ways, is, is a series of messages, a series of sermons of articulating the things of God and the faithfulness of God and the promises of God to the people of Israel. So they come to us as this richness of these sermon messages. So let's just have a look and read, first of all, verses 1 uh, to 5. Just look at this first section. So here's Moses talking to the people of Israel. They're about to enter into the promised land, and he says to them, Be careful to obey all the commands that I'm giving you today. And then you will live and multiply. And you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to your ancestors. And then here's this word again, and he says, Remember. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he is humbling you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. 
He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, but rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So again, here in this first section of Deuteronomy chapter 8, we see this reminder, similar to the Exodus 20 commandment about the Sabbath, of remember, this word remember again. Just like the Sabbath was given for that purpose as a time of remembering what God has, has done. And we see here this contrast between remembering and forgetting. And how remembering is walking is evidenced by walking in obedience to God. And forgetting is evidenced by walking in disobedience to God. And so these are critical things and critical words that we are to pay attention to and to understand. And here's this new generation of people. As the generations of the people of Israel have died off. As God is preparing this new generation of people now to enter into the promised land. And they remember in part, but they also didn't experience everything that the previous generations experienced. But how there was testing, and how there was hunger, and how at times they actually had very little. But also, they did have provision. And this strange food that God gave them called manna. And even in that story, and we looked at that story a few weeks ago, where the people of Israel, they collected this manna on a daily basis of God providing every single day. And then on the sixth day, they were to collect twice as much because on the seventh day, they were to rest and observe the Sabbath. And so this manna is a symbol of Sabbath rest in so many ways, as it reminds us of God's provision and how God provides. And so we see that here in this text. The people, they had a daily supply, and yet what's interesting is that none of them actually survived. None of those original people actually were even going to enter into the promised land. Their stomachs might have been full of manna, but they, without the word of God in them, they still died. And so there's this comparison of the very word of God coming from the mouth of God. Similar to what Jesus says years later. We see that in John chapter 6 where Jesus says, I am the bread of heaven. John chapter 6, Jesus is asked the question after he feeds the 5,000. And they're asking him what it all means. And they're looking for more miracles. And Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. And Jesus goes on a little bit further as they ask questions and they make comparisons about the story that we were just reading about Moses and, and the man in the desert. And then, and then Jesus says to them in verse 32, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replies, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So even here in this Deuteronomy text, we see it pointing ahead to that time when Jesus will proclaim that I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will not be hungry or thirsty again. So similar things that are portrayed in this text. Manna was a supernatural provision to keep the stomachs of the Israelites full during their 38 years in the desert, but also to teach them that full stomachs do not ensure life. And we'll see 
that just as God tested them through deprivation and through hunger, and yes, providing them with this very basic food of manna, but we'll also see as we look into this text a little bit further that God also will test them with prosperity. There's a testing that is happening here with both fasting and with feasting. So let's continue to read Deuteronomy 8, verse 6 and following. So Moses continues, he says, So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley and of grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. So here in this section, we see those words, obey, again, walk, and reverence. To walk in this fear of the Lord. And it's, it's very descriptive. It's, the words that are used here are very descriptive in terms of the abundance and the extravagance that the people of Israel are going to ex- experience in a short time. It talks, even the water It says, a land of flowing streams, pools of water, fountains and springs that gush out of the valleys and the hills. It's quite an image. Like even the water, it seems, is just extravagant of what they are going to experience. Then it goes on and and talks about the different kind of of foods of wheat and barley, grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, all of these things that are these amazing gifts. And it's these pictures of extravagance of what they will soon experience. Prosperity that they had never known before before but then there's this caution here and the caution is this it says when you have eaten your fill be sure to give praise to god for it to give praise to god to give thanks to god to acknowledge that this comes from god such an important piece even as sabbath as we think about what are some of the things that we are to do on sabbath thankfulness is front and center of that that it is a time where we give thanks to God in one way or another. Or if you think of what so many of you would do before a meal, where you would pray before you have a meal. It's not meant to be this this rigid kind of ritual of legalism that you do. It's meant to be an opportunity to just come before God and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this food. Thank you for your provision. We don't take it for granted. And that's what it's intended for, just that we would be people who are thankful. And so the Sabbath day, again, is a day to remember, and it begins with thankfulness. But you see, here's the challenge, is that when feasting is our daily experience, it's really easy to forget that God is the one who provides our daily bread. And I know that for so many of us, if we we live in this land of prosperity, we live in this city, in this place, during this time, and, and feasting often is our experience in one form or another, however we would describe it. And so, so easily we forget that God is the one who provides. God is the one who gives us our daily bread and to be thankful. Well, let's keep reading verse 11. Then it says, but that that time is the time, but that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulation, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous... And have built fine homes to live in. And when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Be careful. Do not become proud at that time. And do not forget the Lord your God. 
who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and to test you for your own good. And you know what? He did all of this so that you would never say to yourself, hmm, I've achieved this wealth with my own strength, my own energy. No, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. So here we see in this section, this word again, or this caution, this warning of be careful. This reality that there is, there is such a danger when we have so much. Because it causes us to forget. We start to think that we did it all. And this caution, you know what, don't become proud at times of affluence. Don't become proud during seasons of feasting. That you need to remember God's provision, his grace, and his protection. And here's what's so interesting as you look at this text and you think about what the people of Israel are about to enter into. They're about to enter into this land filled with Canaanites, with these people that are going to be fighting against, and they could be fearful for their lives. And the interesting thing is that the threat here is not the Canaanites in this land. The threat here is themselves in their affluence. The threat here is that they will become so complacent and they will become so uh, used to this feasting, this time of having so much that they will forget God and all that he had provided. And so Moses is saying, don't say, well, I've achieved this. I did it on my own. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. All me. He says, no, that's not the right attitude to have. That is how we forget what God has done. We are called to remember. Called to remember. Because you see, it begins with this forgetting and then it leads to disobedience and eventually it leads to destruction. Verse 19 and 20 speaks of that judgment and that destruction. But I assure you of this, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord, your, just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. So it speaks to this judgment, this intense warning. That's why even in our Sabbath rhythm, to take a day, to take some time where we actually stop producing, where we actually stop working, where we actually stop just sort of providing for ourselves, it's an acknowledgement that God is God and that we are are not. It gives us not only that rest and that restoration, but it reminds us that God is in control and we are not. Mark Buchanan, I shared this quote a few weeks ago, he said it this way. He says, Sabbath is imitating God so that we stop trying to be God. And so in the Sabbath, we cease from doing what is necessary and we embrace that which truly gives life. And especially the bread of life. Jesus Christ. You know, this, this passage, even for me, as I was reading through this and reflecting on this passage again, I'm just thinking how relevant this is for us today. As we live in a country and in a time and in a place of so much affluence, of having just so much in so many different ways, we are inundated with much of everything. And how much of everything tests us 
It tests us at every turn. We have heated garages for our cars. We have walk-in closets for all of our clothes. We have walk-in pantries for all of our food. We even have tax shelters if we have the problem of making too much money. So we have all of these things where, where these can distract us in different ways. There is no doubt that we have much in so many ways. And the warning here is be careful in times of planning, in times of feasting, do not forget the Lord's your God. And it's been said, and I think so true, that nobody found Jesus on the day they won the lottery. And it's in times of those affluent moments, those times when we have, again, so much, that the Word of God reminds us to remember the source of the one who provides us with everything. We experience different things in our lives. We experience seasons of fasting in different ways. Maybe it's seasons of scarcity. We experience seasons of feasting and having so much. And it affects us at different times and in different ways in our lives. But it seems to me that the most vulnerable moments for us is when we have much. In seasons of feasting. And it seems like God knew that as he's speaking through Moses to the people of Israel and preparing them for what they will experience and knowing how easy it is to forget. So again, the Sabbath helps us to remember. The Sabbath calls us to remember. Not just this remembering of our lives, but to remember what God has done and to remember his faithfulness in our lives and to give thanks. You know, there's a problem with freedom, actually. And the people of Israel were experiencing that. Here they were as people who had been in slavery for hundreds of years in Egypt. A brutal life that generation after generation after generation had known the brutality of this life of being in slavery. And now here comes Moses and and God rescues them out of Egypt and makes them free. There's a problem with freedom. Because as they are about to enter the promised land... This is evident here because it seems to bring out at times the worst in us. Because we forget whose we are and how we got there. Hopefully in this series we have seen in a variety of ways that there is all kinds of freedom in Sabbath. As we think about how is it that we are to live out a Sabbath expression today, I hope that we have seen in our understanding that there is an incredible freedom about how we live out the Sabbath. But with that freedom comes challenge. Because then that, does that mean that, well, we just do nothing then? Or does it mean that we actually engage in some practices that eventually become rigid and stale and legalism? Or how do we live in this tension between doing nothing and a legalistic kind of structure? Which is part of the, the, the challenge of the freedom that we are given in, in Sabbath. If you flip your Bibles over to Romans chapter 14, verse 5 and 6, it speaks of this freedom. As Paul is speaking to the church here in Rome... And in this context, in Romans 14, it's talking about some of the criticizing that's going on. And why are they criticizing each other? Because people are figuring out how to live in freedom. They've been talking about this gospel and this gospel of grace. And now these people are abandoning these old laws and and people are criticizing one another. And some people are eating the meat that was there to be sacrificed for idols. And other people are choosing to live a Sabbath on one day and others are choosing to live on another day. And and people are judging each other and criticizing criticizing each other, condemning each other, because freedom causes problems. It's a lot easier if you just have all the same rules and they're black and white and you just sort of lay it out really clearly and everybody does the same thing. 
But as soon as you have freedom, you have challenge. Romans uh, 14, verse 5, Paul says, In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Interesting text where Paul is reflecting on the problem of freedom and some of the challenges that come with it, but yet still affirms this freedom that we have even as we live out the Sabbath today in a New Testament era. Do we make it about ourselves? And do we forget about God? Or will we establish a rhythm or some intentionalities or gestures or liturgies or practices or disciplines, whatever you want to call them, that help us to remember? The interesting thing is what you choose to do will be different than what somebody else chooses to do. The point is, is what is it that draws you near to God and helps you remember his faithfulness? What is it that helps you to be thankful on a weekly basis? What is it that you particularly need in your setting in order to worship and obey? You know, in so many ways, Sabbath is really about feasting. It, it really is. And, and for so many people, and it's a, it's a good tradition where you'd have a, a big meal together, together with family and friends or with others. And, and so Sabbath being for feasting completely makes sense and is right. A time of thankfulness. But sometimes what we might need in our freedom is actually to also include fasting at times. That's the tension. What is the liturgy, the practice, the expression that you need to encounter the living God? What is it that you need to do to help you to go in a different way, in a different direction? What is it that you need in order to find true rest and encounter the one who gives the bread of life, who is the bread of life, and who heals our souls. You know, for the people of Israel, just like us, obedience toward the law, obedience to the word of God is not a means of gaining salvation, but a, winning, a willing and grateful response to a salvation already received. It's just this response of gratefulness. Thank you, Lord, for your gift of grace, for the freedom that we have experienced. And out of that, we walk in obedience because it shows that we remember it shows that we remember what God has done and who he is and whose we are. I want to invite you um, just to stand at this point as I conclude with a few comments and then with a, a word of prayer. And I want you to think about this spiritual wandering in the desert that the people of Israel have experienced in so many different ways. Spiritual wandering and desert conditions resulting in fatigue and disillusionment and weariness is not a new phenomenon, not a new problem. We see it in the people of Israel, but we feel it today, don't we? We feel it in different ways for different reasons, but we feel it deep within our own souls. A kind of fragmentation, a weariness, a heaviness, it expresses itself in all kinds of different ways. We have longings. What's so beautiful is how Jesus knew the longings of our heart. Jesus understood our human longings. He understood the desperate need that we had for true rest and for restoration in a way that the world could never give, but a true rest for our souls. So the invitation of the Sabbath rest 
is an invitation of Jesus. And it's an invitation to Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus said, Come to me. He did not say, Come to a set of teachings, although we are called to that as well. He did not say, Well, come to your psychologist, although. God can use gifted counselors. He did not say, come to a vacation, though that can be important too, especially in light of the workaholism that many people are engaged in. He did not say, come to your pastor, though hopefully that also might help. He did not just say, well, come to just a day to just stop working, though I think that can be an important part, but it's insufficient on its own. He did not say, come to silence and solitude, though in a noisy, cluttered lives, that might be just what you need as well. What Jesus did say, and is saying, is he said, come to me. He says, come to me, the source of true rest, what Sabbath was intended for all along. As you close your eyes, I'd like to lead us in prayer. And maybe just as an expression of what you would want to receive from the living God this morning, just to open your hands and hold them out in front of you, just as a sign of just this willingness to remember, this willingness and desire to receive, and it's just an expression of our longing. Heavenly Father, we thank you, and we give you thanks that you are the provider. You provide all things, and we confess that so often we take so much for granted that we have, and we attribute way too much to ourselves than we ever should. Forgive us for that. Lord, we give you praise, and we stand in awe of your creation, and we give you praise that you are the creator of all things, and that you have knit us together in our mother's womb. What an amazing picture. Lord, we humble ourselves, and we ask for your forgiveness and grace, because you are an eternal judge. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this invitation of Sabbath. This invitation to come to you and to find true rest. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to remember and that you would help us to never forget who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.